The Athletic. Steikast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today we shout out Bo Selector as Mainz coach Svensson gets another slamming tune out of his team while the Bundesliga's wheels of steel keep on spinning. Augsburg slow jam specialist Heiko Herrlich is the latest mover and groover to lose his regular slot. Also on our tracklist, a couple of new bangers from Erling Haaland, a real smash it from Gladbach, Bremen with their seventh flop in a row and the limpest of efforts from Bayern who now have to wait before they can stage their traditional end-of-season beer form party for two more weeks. Kevin Hatchard and Christoph Biermann, the Fabio and Groove Rider of the Stahlkast pod, are here to keep it rocking and I'm also delighted to welcome Mainz-based journalist Mara Pfeiffer as our very special guest act today. Hi Mara, hi Christoph, hi Kevin and hi to you, dear listener. Just to let you know though, if you want to read more about the Bundesliga and indeed dozens and dozens of interesting football stories a day, don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month for six months right now. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to sign up. So Christoph, uh, Kevin and Mara, good morning, I should say, when we're recording this pod on, on a Monday. How was the weekend for you, Christoph? I watched Union, obviously, as I mostly do, against an appalling uh, Werder Bremen side. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if later on today, uh, Florian Kohfeldt would be, I, I think in the case of Werder Bremen, you wouldn't say sacked, but uh, put Re on... Relieved? Re relieved, probably, um, because uh, Werder Bremen obviously needs, um, needs relief, uh, because after seven defeats in a row, they are they're having real problems now. If you told me that you'd be watching an Union Berlin against Werder game and one of them is fighting for Europe and one of <laughs> one of them is losing seven in a row and might go down, I thought, yes, obviously, but uh, not this way around. Um, Kevin? Uh, mine was very exciting. I had wall-to-wall uh, -wall entertainment on Friday night in the Augsburg against Köln game. Great goals, great drama. Uh, then uh, I watched Mainz against... Bayern, that was it. That's it. I remember them. Um, Mainz were excellent. Really, really good. So that was a huge amount of fun. Uh, and then the commentator's nightmare on Sunday as Gladbach went 3-0 up inside 18 minutes against Bielefeld. And I had to use every bit of prep uh, that I brought <laughs> with me uh, for the rest of the game just to see it through and a lot more besides. So yes, lots of fun this weekend. Excellent. But I doubt that anyone on this pod had as much fun as Mara this weekend. Maybe I'm wrong, but Mara Pfeiffer is mind-space. She does have a soft spot for the team, I think it's fair to say. And uh, judging from your Twitter feed, Mara, you, you did enjoy both the result and the performance against Bayern. Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, as it that I'm having a soft spot for the team, um, of course, the performance was more than anyone could expect from them. But I think um, as I was uh, going through the newspapers today and um, everybody was writing that it was such a big surprise, I think the biggest surprise about the game was maybe that it wasn't that big of a surprise. You know, if you had been watching the last couple of games uh, and how Mainz was performing, there really um, was a wide opening for them to do just what they did. Absolutely. And we've been singing Mainz's praises uh, for weeks now. Well, Christoph has been, to be more specific. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I never it. forget when he said, I want to talk about Mainz two months ago. And <laughs> the reaction was, why? But now we know. But 
but la last week I was doubtful because uh, looking at the uh, who who they have to play or had to play in the last four matches. Now it's it's um, or five matches for them because they have the Hertha game at hand. They're facing everybody who is competing for the Champions League and Bayern, obviously. So um, in a way, I, I was surprised to see them win because I mean. Bayern has been Bayern in 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 recent week, but 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 that's also true the other way around because they haven't been as stable um, as as in recent years. But uh, but yes, great performance by Mainz 05. Well, and I think there's two things to say to that. For once, um, they really Mainz did not play their best games um, against Köln and um, uh, against uh, Werder Bremen, but they still won, which is part of the development. And now in the game against uh, Bayern Munich, uh, Bo Svensson uh, substituted uh, five players, a number which he has not uh, done yet um, uh, for the starting uh, formation. And um, that really gave them um, a fresh push. And uh, the second thing is, Mainz has been known really in former years uh, to play uh, good games uh, against uh, the the clubs that are higher up in the table. I mean, you could, of course, not expect them to perform like that against uh, Bayern Munich, uh, but they have been stealing points from uh, Dortmund, um, Gladbach and so on in former years. And especially uh, Frankfurt has uh, almost all of the time uh, been um, a good counterpart for them. So so really before those last five games, everybody was thinking um, if they win against Hertha and uh, steal a win from one of the big, then that would probably be enough. And now they stole, well, stealing is not really the right <laughs> word, but you know how I mean it. Um, they they really uh, fought uh, their three points out of Bayern, which is the first game. And now, of course, it's important. And Bo Svensson uh, keeps saying that nothing is won yet. They need, I think, at least three more points, probably four. But of course, the door is now wide open and they have it all in their own hands to go through that door. Well before it was fashionable to pay a release fee for a manager, Mainz was there first with Svensson in, in January. I think they even paid slightly more than they let him go for when he was when he went to Liefering not long ago, 1.5, 1.6 million euros, which which is a lot even by Mainz's standard. They've obviously been vindicated in this decision. Mara, what what has Paul Svensson done beyond bringing back that Mainz factor and that sort of special spirit? What has he done tactically to really help the team? Well, um, I think uh, before uh, you look into the, the tactics, um, obviously there's the training and all the players um, have been saying that they have never trained like that. I mean, um, this is a squad that has gone through a lot of coaches, which is quite unusual for Mainz 05. Um, and um, they are all um, clear that Bo Svensson is asking every bit of them. They, uh, he's asking everything they, they can throw in. And he keeps pushing them and he keeps telling them this is not working. Whenever there's something he's not um, convinced will help them on the pitch, he goes in and says, you know, you have to change that. As of the tactics, um, he's, uh, well, they're quite aggressive. Um, there's a, a forward um, defending um, that uh, he has really uh, gotten into them. They're better at stealing the ball. They run like they're on fire. And so he really has changed their game. What I loved about Saturday 
was that me and Stefan Freund were preparing for the game in commentary. We got the team sheet in and we went, wow, because he put Jonathan Burkhardt, Carrie Monisivo and Robin Quaison in the same attack. And that was a statement of intent because he wanted to use their pace. They're all very quick. And he wanted to get in behind that high defensive line that Bayern use. And he wanted to turn them round. So it wasn't as if he was going to say, OK, we'll dig in. We'll work incredibly hard. We'll see if we can nick something. He wanted to be proactive. And they got that first goal in the third minute. That set the tone. That set Bayern back on their heels. And they never quite recovered from that. So it's... He's gone back to basics in terms of all of the things that Mara has said, but there's also now a belief that they can hurt teams, and that makes a massive difference. And he is really clear on that. I mean, um, uh, before the game, uh, someone asked him if uh, he wanted to park the bus, uh, you know, in front of the opponent's uh, goal, and uh, he that didn't sit well with him at all. And he's been asked if Mainz is already playing um, the football he wants to see, and he kind of laughed at that and said, you know, um, when we play the real football I want to see, I hope uh, we know a little bit more what to do with the ball. And he started working on that. But of course, um, with a with a, a club that's uh, so far off uh, as Mainz was when he started, um, you have to start on the defense and then build from there. But the building from there is already in progress. He did not go into that uh, final uh, part of the season and say, you know, we're just going to keep uh, the other club away from our goal. We want to play with the ball and we want to score our own goals and as you said um, Kevin um, the tactic he chose for that game was slightly different than the ones he has chosen before and it really did set the tone I agree with you on that I have a question for Mara because um, I remember having a conversation with Bo Svensson many years ago that was when Thomas Tuchel was a coach at Mainz and he was still a player so one of the senior players one of the leaders within the team And I uh, so that was outside the um, the old Bruchweg uh, stadium, and we were sitting there. And I remember being pretty impressed by him. So he has something very charismatic uh, about him, and I see that now. And I mean, I, I, I haven't met him at Mainz because uh, obviously that's impossible. But but he has, although. He hasn't have a long career in coaching. He already has developed some some kind of charisma and 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 clarity and coolness that I find very um, uh, very impressive. So so I would, as you are much closer to the club, I, I would like to know what your impression of him as a person is. I would agree with everything you said. Um, I did a long interview with him when he was uh, training um, the U19 squad uh, at Mainz. 05 before he left for Liefering and we were kind of jogging around that he might be uh, the next uh, number one player in mind someday and then he left the club and I was actually quite surprised that they let him go because you could see um, with him for once he really has understood that club and um, he has um, Well, he has a way about him. He's he's very clear in what he says. He's very calm. You can um, you can sense very good when he's liking something or when he's disliking something. I think he has a very good way with the players, and um, that is really 
well a game changer for minds uh, i don't think uh, you can you can put it any less um he's very modest he doesn't like to be talked about as much as he is right now of course um as it has always been in minds now everybody is starting the comparison <laughs> is he more of a club or is he more of a tuchel which i think really doesn't do him just him justice because you know he's just both Svensson. he learned from both of those and of course what can be wrong with that but he but he's adding his own style to that so he's really a great win for the club. Well, that was going to be my next question, Amara. Not so much whether he's a, a Klopp or a Tuchel, but is he another of those future superstars as a coach that Mainz seem to have had a really decent knack for, for getting early? Do you think he will be following in his, in, in his predecessor's footsteps? Of course, um, it's, it's quite early to say that. I think um, from how he understands the game and from the person he is, uh, the possibility is quite there. Um, I think uh, he uh, will pretty sure be um, that person for Mainz. Um, you always have the question when a coach like that um, is going to leave the club, uh, hopefully in many, many, many years. Is it working at another club too? Um, but I think um, he is that kind of coach that can uh, fill big footsteps. And um, of course, not to, forgot, uh, not to forget, he's not uh, only been uh, impressed uh, by the likes of uh, Klopp, and uh, Tuchel. Um, he's all, uh, also been uh, assisting Casper uh, Hülmund um, uh, when he had his short uh, time in Mainz. He speaks very highly of Casper uh, Hülmund and um, from my understanding they're still uh, quite close. So um, I think uh, he, he will have a great career. Yeah. And also he was part of the wider Red Bull setup at Liefering, so benefiting from some of the uh, coaching input from the Ralf Rangnick school of things. So really the the holy trinity of German coaching, if you will, um, all present, uh, Klopp, Tuchel and, and Rangnick. Now, Mainz are in 12th position after that win. It looks almost as if they're safe, but of course that might be slightly false because behind them, especially Hertha, have a few games in hand. But it does look as if this was maybe the game and the three points that make a real difference in this fight against relegation. Do you get the sense, Mara, that with those perhaps slightly unexpected three points, Mainz have actually have actually done it now? Well, um, as I said, I think they, they need uh, probably three more points. And um, I was very um, well pleased when um, I saw after the game how everybody was reacting to it. Of course, the journalists were asking the players and Bo Swenson exactly that question was that, you know, did that keep you from uh, getting relegated today, that win? And all of them said, no, there's nothing done yet. We need that win against Hertha BSC, which is um, the next game on Monday. And I think it will be a real crucial game you know um, how they say um, if you win against a big club uh, to make that win even more golden uh, then you have to win uh, against the next club that does not seem as big and uh, I, I sense that they're taking that next game very very seriously and I think if they really win against Hertha BSC um, that will be it. I wonder if it's uh, necessary to talk about Bayern because as you said Kevin they, they didn't really show up so maybe it's, it's best <laughs> To, to be ignored but we can't quite ignore it because there's always something interesting happening even if they uh, don't win uh, for one um, Robert Lewandowski was back and scored whether that's enough to catch up with Gerd Müller uh, and his 40 goal record from 1971-72 remains to be seen he's got three games left to make up four goals to equal 
the record and five to break it. It's going to be not easy, especially because Bayern are playing Gladbach next, a much improved Gladbach, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Bayern, uh, Mara, from as much as you could look at them and not just focus on on your side, was this a classic game where one team had a lot to play for and the other didn't really? And maybe that lack of sort of focus, that lack of maybe positive tension, if you will, made yet another difference towards towards Mites on the day. I don't think they had um, a lack of focus. I do think they had a lack of positive tension. Um, I think uh, Bayern always uh, want uh, to finish the championship as early on as possible. Um, but of course, with everything that has been happening um, around the club, um, I think uh, the players are, well, they they are not maybe in it 100% with their head right now. If you heard um, the interviews uh, afterwards, uh, Manuel Neuer um, was referring uh, to everything that's been happening around by himself. He wasn't even asked if that has been, um, you know, an issue. Uh, and I think uh, right now uh, they cannot push that all the way away from them. And of course, um, that helped a little bit. Um, what also helped was, um, uh, speaking of Robert Lewandowski, I mean, he'd been missing a couple of games and you could see that on the pitch that he was not at 100%. Yeah, I think it's his longest ever absence as a Bundesliga player. And it looked it because we're used to seeing him being razor sharp. He only had one chance in the first half and he put that miles over the crossbar. It was uh, quite a shocking moment, really, because you're used to seeing him just stroking a ball like that from the edge of the area into the bottom corner. Obviously, he took his goal very well right at the end. But I think they were genuinely caught by surprise by the ferocity of that Mainz start, because you look at those first 18 minutes, Mainz had scored, they'd hit both posts, and they were a threat all the way through and the the thing that was unusual to see in the second half was that Bayern had lots of the ball but no real threat I mean if you look at the reverse fixture for example Mainz were 2-0 up with 50 minutes gone and Bayern blew them away and won 5-2 you ne- it never looked the same now I know a lot of that is to do with what Mara's described in terms of what Bo Svensson has done with Mainz but it was a strangely toothless buy-in for pretty much the whole game, really. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And Mara, you touched on something that I think hasn't perhaps been reported in much depth, but is beginning to show it. I think it's the deep, or maybe not deep, but it's certainly a degree of unhappiness within the dressing room about what's happened. I think the players feel slightly let down by by their club they don't like the way that this has come about i think they understand why hansi flick wants to leave but they don't understand why the most successful and certainly one of the more popular coaches in recent years feels that he can no longer work within the existing structure and they feel slightly left alone and i think it's going to be very difficult for hassan salihamish it's a sporting director who'd never had that much support within the dressing room although it's also not fair to say that they're completely against him but it'd be difficult for him I think to rebuild that trust however uh, Bayern working of course on a solution uh, post Flick and if Hansi Flick leaving leads to Julian Nagelsmann coming in I guess most Bayern fans and perhaps even the players would say maybe not the worst the worst situation to happen I mean Christoph you joked about the fact that if Nagelsmann comes there we might not even have to play 
Bundesliga football over the next few years because Bayern will win, will win Championship 10, 11, 12, 13 until he moves on to Real Madrid. Um, Nagelsmann, I mean, are you a little bit excited at the same time about the football that we might see from Bayern if if and when he does arrive? Yeah, now, now it looks like as if Bayern is uh, seriously approaching him and uh, are in talks now with uh, RB Leipzig. And, and, and will be at first it will be interesting to see what kind of transfer fee um, they have to play. I mean, there are rumors about 50 million, 20 million, 30 million or whatever. So the, the whole uh, transfer business for a Bundesliga coach is what, what I mean, where did we start this season with uh, one and a half or two million for, for a coach? And then it was... I think Marco uh, Rosa was five, no? I mean, if... Yeah, but we, we talked already about uh, Bo Svensson. Bo Svensson. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was one and a half and, and, and five for Marco Rosa, seven and a half for, uh, for Adi Hütter. And, and now we are already, I mean, with, within half a year, we are, we are at 15 or 20 million. So, um, and will the uh, German FA in the end have to, uh, to, to pay it? Because uh, if they get flick, they, or they have to play a friendly against Bayern. So that would be interesting who would be playing in in uh, one of these teams but anyhow yeah i i think the overall feeling is um uh, that uh, julian nagelsmann will be the new bayern uh, coach and um and uh, i'm i'm fully convinced that will be a that it's a, a good choice and we will see a lot of uh, uh, great football from him i think he's the best young coach on the planet uh, i think he's done incredible work already I mean you've got to bear in mind this is a guy that took over Hoffenheim at 28 when they were looking as though they might go down not only did he save them comfortably from relegation he got a club that had never been in Europe before into the Champions League not once but twice I know that they obviously lost the playoff to Liverpool but he still qualified them for the tournament I think he's made great progress with Leipzig I think people will say well he hasn't quite been able to put the pressure on Bayern but if you look at the amount of chances they miss in front of goal I think that's maybe on the players more than him I think it's genuinely exciting but the caveat that I would put on that is what you've talked about, Rafa, because there is this sense of disappointment that Flick is going. The players are upset about that, rightly so. And so he will walk into a situation where there is some instability. We don't know how he will work with Sal Hamidic either. So I think if he can get past those tricky first few months... I think he'll be really, really successful. And I find the debate about the potential transfer fee, if you like, really interesting because people seem kind of outraged. And it's always been this way, actually, that people are very squeamish about paying for coaches when you pay that kind of money for a moderate player. And I know that there isn't a resale value on a coach, but you're bringing in the top guy. If you had a company that was going to bring in a CEO or a, or a major manager to take that company forward, you'd pay a fair bit to bring them in. So I always find that a bit strange that if you want, to, if you want the top guy or the guy who has the potential to be the top guy and Leipzig don't want to let him go and he has no exit clause, you pay up. And this takes us back to Jurgen Klopp really, Mara, doesn't it? Because Klopp showed how much value a coach can create and really that in financial terms, spending money on a coach is actually, on a good coach, on a great coach, is actually money 
spent really, really well. Because if you can increase the value of every player by 10, 20%, you're talking about hundreds of millions of euros. And that's certainly how things went for, for Dortmund under Klopp. Mainz at a very different level was a similar story, though, with going up into the Bundesliga. Um, are we seeing a slight shift in Germany towards stronger and more important coaches or are clubs still very much versed in their own structures where the coach is just a good, very important employee and doesn't quite have the same power? Well, I mean, Mainz has always uh, said that as a rule under the now returned Christian Heidel that it's a coaches club. And um, I think um, that's really smart to build the way you want to play and you want to present yourself around the coach. And I'm really wondering now that we're seeing those fees being paid, if maybe the way um, a coach is valued might change, you know, because if you pay up for a coach like that, of course, if Bayern uh, get Julian Nagelsmann, they don't want to let him go after a season or two. But uh, remember how eager they were to get Nico Kovac. Would they have let him go as easily if they had paid up for him up front? Is maybe the way the coach is uh, well treated within a club or if the way he's sitting within a club changing with that too? I think that's going to be a very interesting development. I think the first ever coach uh, where in Germany where a transfer fee was paid for was Markus Weinziel. And the guy who paid the transfer fee was Christian Heidel when he was at his moderately successful time at Schalke 04, to put it mildly. And uh, interesting to say, uh, we're talking, I think, a bit about Augsburg later on and, and Markus Weinziel will come up again. But at that time, I was thinking, and I'm, I'm still thinking, as the coach coach is the most important employee of a club. He, it, it's strange that um, this development um, uh, uh, didn't go on earlier. And so, so we're talking about the tempo the, the whole story has been getting. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm the, um, uh, the member of the Urs Fischer uh, fan club uh, because, I mean... Founder. It's, I, mean, I, I don't think founder. I think there are a lot of people <laughs> around Union Berlin who, 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 who would also say that are founders of that. But uh, so, so seeing him from close up, working uh, from, from, from close for, for over a year you could see how important he is and how he helps to uh, create value for the club, to keep them in the Bundesliga and so on and so on. And it's a factor. Uh, so he at um, Union Berlin is a factor you can't even uh, overestimate. Um, and, and I think it's true for, for a lot of other uh, coaches at, at other clubs, not only in the Bundesliga, but also in the second Bundesliga and, and in, in all other leagues. So as you said, they are creating value, they are keeping uh, teams in their league, they moving their teams into areas where they get extra revenues and, and, and so on and so on. So uh, still, uh, I, I would think uh, if you pay 50 million for Julian Nagelsmann or 20, it's still a bargain compared to what you play for, pay for players. I think Leipzig might see it as a bargain too, because apparently they, they ask more uh, for more than that. <laughs> uh, I've heard rumors of, of a three and a zero being attached to his 
his name, which would really be, I guess, a validation of everything we just talked about, uh, as well as, of course, underline Bayern's determination, or if you will, desperation to get him in. Before we move on to Augsburg, and, and I just want to warn you, Christoph, don't talk about Urs Fischer too much, because otherwise next week he'll be in a new job. Uh, in the Bundesliga. <laughs> One word maybe on the wider situation in, in the relegation uh, zone. I mean, we have teams there who didn't really necessarily expect to be fighting at relegation. Schalke and Hertha, of course, with very different aspirations. I think Köln, difficult to see, to say where they see themselves because there's a bit of a cliche that, you know, the fans always get carried away very quickly, but maybe the club itself has been a bit more realistic. Uh, and Bremen, who we already touched upon. Mara, do you think that Mainz, one of the things that's worked for Mainz is that they have, a, apart from having the, the foresight of getting Bo Svensson, and that they have a bit more, I don't want to say experience, but at least they maybe found it slightly easier to get to grips with the situation that maybe was one or two teams below them? Or is that just a an easy narrative that we journalists look for. I don't think that's true for this season because um, you could see how they will underperformed in the first half and how no coach uh, could really get through to them. Plus, um, Köln uh, has been down there uh, quite uh, sometimes and even Bremen uh, is looking at a situation that they're already uh, painfully familiar with. So I think that has not been a factor this time. Okay. We, we like people disagreeing with me. There's not enough of that on this pod. Kevin? I was just going to say, it comes back to coaching. Coaching's really, really important again. And you look at Akin Bayerlautzer, to me, never seemed up to the level required, either at Köln or Mainz. So uh, I think that's been proven. Jan Moritz Lichter seems a very nice man, but was not ready for this. He looked like a rabbit in the headlights the whole time he was there and was not able to get that team moving. You get Bo Svensson in, he gets them moving. Köln under Marcus Gisdol, they stuck with him for a long, long time. I know that Horst Helt has a good relationship with him, the sporting director, but they waited too long. They've brought in Friedhelm Funkel. That's a risk, but I think they needed to make a change, not necessarily that change, but a change earlier. You look at Hertha, they've had all kinds of problems with coaches. They had an, an absolute nightmare with coaches last season, and they haven't really got it right this season. So uh, I think they should have changed to Paul Dardai earlier as well. So I think coaching is really, really important across this relegation battle, and teams like Augsburg and Werder have got big decisions to make. Well, funny you should say that because Augsburg did make a big decision um, just before we started recording this morning. Uh, they did let go of Heiko Herrlich. I think it's been a dismissal that's been coming for a long, long time. If anything, I, I think people are surprised that it's taken this long. Markus Weinzierl, as we record, has not been confirmed as the new coach. And of course, he was there before, but the indications are that he will get the job. I mean, Augsburg is not a club we talk a lot about on this pod. The football has been pretty dire. It's not a club that generated a lot of a feeling. Is that move now too late because they are in real danger of, of actually going down? Or have they just done enough in previous weeks and months to make this appointment with a view of having a new start and having a slightly more exciting but certainly slightly more active approach under under Marcus Weinzierl. 
Christopher, I'll start with you. I think it's not too late. Um, and, and, and also there were um, indications of the, uh, from the match against Cologne where they had this abysmal first half when they were 3-0 down, but then almost ca uh, came back. So they didn't look like a dead team or uh, they looked like a team that has a lot of problem, but not, not, not in a way... That, as my impression, for example, uh, Werder uh, was on, on on the weekend, and they are also when you when you look at the players, I mean they they have decent players, and um, so I think if if you bring in a, no, a new coach, um, they have a fair chance to uh, to stay in the Bundesliga. Yeah, that's def definitely true. They're on 33 points at the moment. That's four clear of Köln, who are in the relegation playoff spot, and. Uh, a whole seven clear of Hertha, but of course Hertha with those three games in hand um, with a chance to to make up that ground. As we say, Markus Weinzierl's arrival not yet been confirmed, but strong indications that he, he will go there. I mean, um, Mara, because we have you on the pod, does your soft spot for local teams extend to Frankfurt or is that slightly... Slightly different for that uh, <laughs> geographical proximity. No, uh, <laughs> I don't have uh, quite the soft spot uh, for Frankfurt, but um, I, I really did like um, the, the football they're playing um, this season. So they're fun to watch, I'll say that. Yes, uh, I think that's true. And we've been praising Frankfurt quite a lot. But now there is just a sign that maybe things are heading for a less than happy end there for Adi Hütter. Um, again, You know, coaches confirming early in the season that they're leaving has been a, a feature of this Bundesliga. And then some of those teams have reacted. Um, don't want to say poorly, but you could see that maybe it hasn't been universally popular um, and, and easy to deal with. And Frankfurt, there are just one or two signs they're running out of steam a little bit. They suffered a 3-1 defeat um, at Leverkusen which still sees them clinging on to fourth spot, but now Dortmund only one point behind them after a 2-0 win away to Wolfsburg that had all the hallmarks of an Erling Haaland masterclass. But I think, Mara, we should talk a little bit about Frankfurt. You would have, you would have seen them quite a lot. Is it, again, I'm, I'm asking all the cliche questions today, but is it too easy to say that Adi Hütter is off, therefore things are kind of falling apart now? Uh, I actually don't think uh, in that uh, it's too easy because you, well, maybe that sounds a bit romantic, but I think um, the coaches leaving the clubs and the way players have been reacting has shown that they're only human, you know? I mean, you have a coach you've been working quite well with and you like the way that you're working together. And then in the midst of the season, you get the information that the club is leave uh, that the coach is leaving the club, even though uh, he still has a contract. And I think it's, it's only natural that it does something to the players. And of course, um, if you ask them, I'm guessing they want to still perform, but it's changing the game for them. And And I think that's what we're seeing uh, in Frankfurt. They they have still the game against Mainz uh, before their chests, and that uh, might uh, you know prove to be quite important for them because uh, looking at the club they're still playing, uh, Mainz might in a normal season be the one that's uh, most easily defeated. But now, of course, you said it about the the local uh, closeness. There there's a local rivalry there too. So. Um, I'm I'm really um, well awaiting that game. It might be a, a big changer for both teams. I think if you look at Wolfsburg and Frankfurt as a pair, the way they've reacted in the last few weeks, 
I think what we are seeing is they are losing against teams that are on their level or slightly higher. So Wolfsburg have always had this issue where they can duff up the teams they're supposed to beat in the last couple of years, but the teams above them, they just can't. So Bayern, they've lost to, they've now lost to Dortmund twice. Uh, They lost to Frankfurt in a crazy game. And all of the stuff that they've done so well this season, defend well, stay compact, keep their shape, just goes out of the window against the big sides. So I'm not mega surprised that they've lost those games. And I think the fact that they beat Stuttgart in the game before kind of underlines that really. And I think something similar with Frankfurt, really. I mean, they were in that game against Gladbach. It, you know, people say, oh, it's 4-0. They must have got absolutely smacked. It wasn't quite like that. It was, it was quite tight, that game, for a fair bit. They were comfortably second best against Leverkusen. But I don't think they should panic. And I still think they're in a very, very strong position. I do see the Hooter effect. I do get that. I do think that that's a move that could have been kept until the end of the season. I know Max Abel and Gladbach had their own reasons for wanting to show the fans that they're in control and have sorted something out. But I think, unlike the Rosa one, which I think had to come out because we all knew it was happening, I actually think the Hooter thing could have been left to the end of the season. But especially, as you said, with the sorry with the Gladbach game, you know, they were quite close. And so then you have that psychological effect on the Frankfurt side. They might not have lost that game without the Hooter effect. Well, I think uh, Dortmund is, is something we have to talk about because I don't know how you three see it, but um, for me, I find it hard not to look at this Dortmund team and almost wanting them to win and wanting them to be in the Champions League even if it comes at the expense of Wolfsburg and Frankfurt, who deserve to be there. Because when they play, they play so well. And it'd be such a shame to see the likes of Bellingham and Sancho, well, who knows where he's going to be, but certainly Haaland, I think, has a good chance of still wearing black and yellow next year. It'd be such a shame not to see these guys involved at at this level. So I was very, as a neutral, um, in inverted commas, I was very pleased that they won. Do you get the same kind of do you see do you see Dortmund in similar terms or are you much more unemotional Christoph you're you're nodding yeah yes I I um I see it the same and and we we we've been discussing back and forth uh, um the Dortmund season uh, play, seeing them play fantastic football seeing them play uh, seeing them uh, thrown games away and and stuff like this and and now I I've I, my impression is that Alien Terzic really managed to stabilize uh, the whole thing. So they have been winning four in a row. They had these two very good performances against Manchester City. They uh, look like a real team now. And um, and I, 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 but I would like to to to, to uh, tell a, a moving story because oh uh, yes, we like those because it's uh, this weekend where uh, with uh, uh, Dortmund coming close to Frankfurt and and Wolfsburg also has to do with the. Uh, when, uh, one of the very rare uh, friendships in, in football because uh, Hannes Wolf and um, Edin Terzic, they're almost like brothers. Uh, they studied together. They uh, at, at uh, they studied sport at Dortmund uh, at Bochum University. They played together in the university team. Uh, when Hannes Wolf made his way through the ranks, he started in the Kreisklasse, so in the lowest league, to to be a coach, and then uh, went up uh, when he became a under 19 or under 17 coach at Borussia Dortmund, and and when he was looking for his 
uh, an assistant, he uh, picked Edin Terzic and uh, their wives are befriended. So, so they're, they're actually big friends. And, um, and the last game of the season will be Borussia Dortmund against Bayer Leverkusen. And they have uh, decided whatever happens, they want to go to, together in, uh, to holidays uh, with their family. So, so that's, uh, uh, that, that's a, a nice story. And I think what is true for Terzic is also true for Hannes Wolf, that he has uh, uh, changed uh, things at Leverkusen. Leverkusen uh, looks now much better than they uh, looked under the late uh, Peter Bosch. He's not dead and, yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I was going to scramble for my notes then and see what had happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, so so for, for, for this late uh, in his uh, Leverkusen days. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, so uh, uh, two, two almost brothers uh, that was hugely successful over the weekend and i think it's a nice story to tell but aren't y'all quite curious how it's gonna go down in dortmund when terzic has to step back i'm i'm really how's that gonna be when rosa arrives and uh, he has to get back into the second row i i think it depends a bit i i think it can be really difficult for for rosa if if uh, Terzic really manages to, to, to lead the team into the Champions League and probably also win the German Cup. I mean, next weekend they have the semi-final on against Holstein Kiel in Dortmund. Uh, so there is a big chance to qualify at least for, for, for the final. And uh, yeah, and, and he, I mean, Dortmund supporters love him because he is a Dortmund supporter. I mean, um, he he is he is a big fan. He he is a he is a, a prodigy of this club and and everything. So so his life is uh, surrounds uh, Borussia Dortmund and um, uh, yeah. Uh, so yes, you're right. It 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 can be pretty difficult for 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 Marco yeah. Rosa. I mean, Marco Rosa's acclimatization might be slightly easier if he finishes well with Gladbach this season and uh, they have woken up from their slumber belatedly uh, another decent performance against a pretty sorry Bielefeld admittedly a 5-0 win uh, which puts Gladbach in seventh spot just four points off Leverkusen who are as Christoph said are playing better under Hannes Wolf I'm not quite entirely sure if they're actually as good as the results suggest in recent weeks but uh, Gladbach coming back strongly and Rosa, I think, helping his own credibility with those performances, I think will also make it easier for him to, to take over at, at Dortmund. Yeah, I think so. I, I think they have improved in the last few weeks. The one thing I would still say is there's a fragility about them. I think if you look at that result in Zin time against Hoffenheim, you know, 2-0 up at half time, and Rosa said to them, if you carry on playing like this, you're going to be 3-2 down after 75 minutes. He was only 10 minutes out. They were 3-2 down after 65 minutes. So I still think they're capable of throwing in that kind of performance, and that's the kind of thing that he's not going to be able to get away with at Dortmund, even though that, of course, has been their stock in trade uh, at times. So uh, they were very impressive against Bielefeld. They blew them away in the first 18 minutes, <laughs> but Bielefeld played like training cones 
to be honest, for that first half. I mean, they had no energy. I think they put everything into the Schalke game on the Tuesday. I think they put all of their energy, um, all of their effort into that. And I don't think they had anything left. And I think it was, while Frank Kramer, their coach, has got most things right, since getting there uh, I did I do think he got this one wrong because he didn't make enough changes and they were dead on their feet in that first half and Gladbach played some very good football and blew them away okay well before we leave we have to talk about Werder even though it's it's pretty painful I think for everyone involved and um, the seventh defeat as we said earlier against Union leaves them uh, precariously close to the relegation zone 30 points the same as Bielefeld um, it's not looking good for them and Flor, for Florian Kohfeldt. Now, Werder Bremen throughout this season, throughout last season, have said, we don't care. We believe we believe Florian Kohfeldt is the right manager. We'll stick with him. I mean, there is being loyal and is being true to your convictions. But is there a point where you maybe have to second guess your own thoughts on a subject if you are continually proving being proven wrong will we see Werder make a change or will they just continue to lose and all the way until they go to Bundesliga 2 I mean what's going to happen there uh, so my, my feeling is uh, that they they will change because um, the trend here is not at all uh, the friend of Werder and also not of Florian Kofeld. and it's not only about the results it's also about the uh, the performances and I think mostly um, I think it's not about loyalty when they were sticking to him I think they were also convinced that he that he is the right coach for for Werder and um, and we had it uh, until six weeks back or so the overall expression was um, yeah they are boring but they are stable but now they are not stable anymore and they they are in a kind of free fall and and something has to stop it and and uh, i think now the only option to stop it is to uh, to give it in the hands of uh, somebody else <laughs> i feel like i'm the last remaining person on the kofel hype train i'm the only one i'm looking around and it's empty the carriage is empty i i I think he's been badly let down. I really I mean, do. Uh, sorry, Kevin, to interrupt, but I mean, if there's one good judge of Bundesliga talent, it is you. And I'm thinking, of course, of Ahmed Kutucu. It is going to happen. So I think Kofeld is going to be absolutely safe. I, I, I think there's a good chance he'll get booted. But I do think if he goes, I think he's been let down. I think he's been let down by the players who have really underperformed in some games. I think he's placed his faith in a set of players that has made basic errors. Uh, And as a coach, you can set them up and you can give them tactics and you can tell them what to do. But some of the boneheaded goals they've conceded are not down to coaching. They're down to individual errors. But I think the person who's let him down the most is the sporting director. I think Frank Bauman has made error after error in the transfer market. I think you look at also, it's not about bringing players in. It's about being able to sell players at the right price and being able to sell them at all. Milot Rashid has been leaving the club for about three transfer windows and they have not been able to get that deal done. Now, you could say that's due to demands of the player and, you know, not being able to find the right price with other clubs. But I just think they've spoken about that so publicly in windows gone by that that's clearly had a destabilising effect because he's not the same player now. 
and there just isn't that spark at the club. So if he does go, he's given his all. I still think he's a talented coach. I think with better players, he can have better results. But I think if he does walk out that door, those players have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, we didn't do enough for him. And we haven't done enough for ourselves. I think if you, you look at uh, the transfers they have or have not made, maybe uh, Corona has played a little role in that too. And about the, the point of letting him go, I think it's it's hard for the club because um, they have held on to him for so long and for good reasons. And they have decided for Kofeld so many times. So if they really do make a final decision against them, it's going to be real hard on everybody in that club. Absolutely, because of course it also suggests that maybe that decision should have been made earlier. It's almost an admission that maybe they got it wrong, but we'll we'll see. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about Werder before the season is over. Um, maybe um, we'll add them to the long list of clubs with managerial changes. I mean, I look I look at the table, and there's hardly a club that hasn't changed manager or is changing manager next season. Uh, I make it about five or six, but that's. Uh, that's on Monday morning, 10.30. Um, by the time you listen to this pod, we might we might see more changes. But thank you so much, Mara, for coming on. It was really, really interesting. We'll catch up with you maybe again soon when <laughs> Bo Svensson is going to be linked with a Frankfurt or, or Spurs jobs. Can't, can only be a couple of months Thanks away. Thanks for having me. Kevin and Christoph, thank you as well. And thank you, dear listener. We'll be back with you not next week because we have a strange week off with the Bundesliga with the cup taking precedence for, for a change. But in two weeks' time. Until then, stay safe. The Athletic. <laughs>